Hi and welcome to another episode of Airfields of Dreams. This week, as I uh, promised in the last episode, we're heading north to uh, Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Really uh, fantastic uh, airfield. Um, its designator is uh, W05. It's located two miles west of Gettysburg Military Park, Gettysburg Town. It's at 39 degrees, 50 minutes north, 77 degrees, 60 minutes west. It's got a 3,100 foot runway. Um, it's been lengthened and also widened considerably. Now it's 60 feet. It used to be only 40 feet. We'll talk about that, which is kind of narrow. Um, it runs uh, uh, northeast, southwest, uh, 624. It's got a displaced threshold on 24. Um, no problems getting in, no obstacles or anything like that. The only obstacles are not physical but uh, regulatory. To the east is Gettysburg Military Park, and a lot of that has uh, those blue dots on the section, all indicating uh, National Park Service wants you to be at least 2,000 AGL above that. Um, you know, above there, they, they generally put that over national parks and whatnot. And then to the west and a little bit south is Camp David, uh, P-40, which is a permanent uh, restricted area about three miles in diameter, or in radius rather, um, but then expands to 10 miles radius when the president is there. And uh, that's, that's clearly no noted by NOTAMs, and it's on, uh, you know, wherever you get your, your flight information, Sky Vector, Four Flight, or what have you. Um, so that's something to be aware of. It's not something to be afraid of, even when... P-40 is expanded, um, you're still, you know, about four and a half miles outside the, uh, the expanded area. So it's, it's, it's easy getting in and out. There's no problem. Just, just be aware of it. You want to be uh, intercepted by an F-16 or anything like that. Okay, the history. So Gettysburg was built in 1928. The airfield was Charles Francis uh, Durstam. Um, bought uh, 20 acres and uh, made a, uh, a dirt strip. He expanded it. Uh, he bought uh, some more acres and expanded it uh, uh, longer and also made a, uh, um, a crosswind runway as well, which is uh, gone now. And in 1959, the, uh, the southwest-northeast runway was paved, and it, was, uh, it stayed 40, about 3,000 feet, 40 feet wide, up until about 2016, and I had visited during this period, and I have to admit it was fairly short, or it was it was plenty long enough, but it, it felt it felt narrow. Um, the 60 feet is fine though; it feels just just great. It's got a lot of history to it. It was run by the Dursums all the way up until the uh, um, the late uh, um, 1990s, and Mr. Dursum, you know, would take you to the uh, the battlefield park. He uh, would run it, and then his descendants uh, ran it. It was, uh, um, you know, really kind of an institution. Uh, a lot of famous people would uh, uh, fly in there. Um, Ar Arnold Palmer, uh, the retired President uh, Eisenhower would go there. He's got a, a farm uh, there. So after the Dursums passed on, uh, a entrepreneur uh, took over it, and uh, to be honest, the... Uh, Airfield went into decline a bit, um, and it wasn't until about, um, say, about 12 years ago that the uh, Air Authority uh, purchased it. The um, Susquehanna uh, Regional Airport Authority 
uh, purchase it. And that really kind of uh, brought its fortunes uh, back up. Uh, it still didn't have any fuel. A lot of things have been left kind of in decline. Uh, it still didn't have any fuel, but uh, um, it was at least, you know, kind of, uh, um, you know, had some more investment into it. They, they, they uh, lengthened the runway and, and also widened it. And just recently, about two years ago, and a man named uh, Dan Blau uh, came on board as the uh, um, guy who runs the FBO, and has really turned it around. And really, just uh, it's it's a different place now. It's it's really fantastic. And I'll I'll wait to talk more about that um, until uh, um, the the pilot interview part. See, uh, he, he talks a lot about uh, what he's done and what what he plans for the airfield. It's really invigorating listening to somebody. He's really injecting uh, kind of new life into to an airport. Well, that's a history of the field itself, but any history would really, um, it's impossible to talk about history without talking about the history of Gettysburg, which is, you know, for my money, the um, if you visit one Civil War battlefield, or really any American should uh, uh, should visit Gettysburg. It's, it's really that, that important to, to our nation's history. It's, it's it's where the two great armies of the uh, armies of the Potomac and armies of Virginia, July 1st through July 3rd of 1863, and you know, arguably, it was all that was that was kind of considered the high water park mark of the Confederacy, and it was kind of downhill form from for them from then. They they were on the ascendance. Uh, uh, Lee had uh, won in. Fredericksburg, we talked about that last episode. He, he uh, beat the uh, Army of Virginia at uh, Chancellorsville, um, but really um, kind of met his match at Gettysburg. He had been uh, taking his army, actually, he was bringing the fight to the north. Up. He wanted to take uh, attack and, and, uh, and occupy Harrisburg, and he thought if he did that, if he brought the fight to the north and, you know, brought the uh, Brought a American capital of Pennsylvania under his his boot, then then he could sue for peace. But basically, before he got there, the two armies clashed at Gettysburg. There's been oh I don't know maybe a million you know books and documentaries and movies made about it. I won't try to reprise the entire thing here. Just like a little thumbnail sketch. Actually, where the airfield is is where the armies clashed for at, at first. It's literally right on the way that the the Confederates uh, were coming from the west in a town and they, they hit the uh, Union skirmishers and quickly uh, battle lines were formed. The uh, Confederates took over uh, all of Gettysburg and formed a line um, running to the south along Seminary Ridge and then north and east and the Union had a much more defensive line called it's known as a fish hook that ran along Cemetery Ridge and had very good lines of communication and, and very good um, their flanks were very well protected on both sides by uh, little mountains or little little hills what have you and uh, the first two days the first and the, and the second the uh, Confederates really hammered at the flanks trying to uh, trying to break 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 the line and, and get in and, and they were unable to do so and then the third day July 3rd General Lee you know, try to frontal assault. He figured since he, uh, the flanks were so well uh, armed that maybe there was a weak spot in the center. So he, you know, it's a famous Pickett's Charge where 
And he led all these men across a, a field under withering uh, fire. And, uh, you know, they actually got hand-to-hand co- combat right at the Union lines, but were not able to break it. And that, um, that was really, like I said, if you go there, there's there's a, a sign there. It's a high-water mark of the Confeder- Confederacy, it's considered. But it's just, um, yeah, just really sobering, really, really uh, humbling experience to go there. Um, the field's only two miles away from... The, the battlefield park so you can really walk the entire battlefield in, in a in an easy day um, there's you know probably you know a gazillion ways to do it uh, what I'd recommend um, if you walk into town from the field you're actually in where the Confederates you know uh, um, occupied and then you could uh, go to your your right there and go along the Confederate lines on Seminary Ridge and cross over to the where the Union lines were, maybe at uh, Little Round Trop, where um, you know epic battles were fought, were on the uh, the second day to protect the, the flank, and then you can walk back along the Union lines, and then uh, you know all the way through you know Battle of the Angle and everything, and then cross over again to the Confederate lines at the uh, the Union's right flank, and then uh, continue back into chain into uh, Gettysburg. That'd be a, it'd be a, a good day's of walking, probably ten or twelve miles or so. But you, you'd really appreciate the the battlefield from, you know, from the way they fought it. That was one of the things that that drove the battlefield. You you could fly over the field too, I guess, and you will probably on downwind or something when you're coming in. But one, you've got the two thousand AGL limit to adhere to, and two, you wouldn't be seeing the battlefield as the men fought it you know they didn't have the luxury of seeing things from the air and that was really kind of the deciding factor there where you know these armies were kind of blundering around for lack of a better word and you know they didn't have you know uh, satellite imagery or planes or anything to know where the the uh, the enemy was and there was no no strategic value whatsoever in Gettysburg Um, it's just where the two armies happened to to finally smash into each other so that's the history. Again, uh, um, it's it's a neat field. It's it saw a period, a gap to the 90s where it was kind of uh, down in the dumps a little bit. It's definitely on resurgence right now. We're going to talk to Mr. Uh, uh, Dan Bow and hear about that. As far as a pie rep goes, there's nothing I could say about the field that we won't cover in the in the uh, interview with Mr. Bow. So I think I'll hold off on the pie rep to then. So I think we cover all the points. Okay, and we're recording now, and I'm talking with Dan, what's your last name? Blau. Dan Blau, and you run the FBO here at uh, Gettysburg. Yep. But before, you were flying Maritime Air Patrol in the South Pacific in King Airs. Yes, I was the uh, mechanic and operator. And that was for, what, Chile or which? uh, Um, Australia. Australia. Well, Foreign Fishery Authority. And that's, um, I guess, such a, a big enough uh, industry that it pays to, to have people looking for uh, illegal fishing? It's a multi-billion dollar industry. And how do you relate to, say, the Australian Coast Guard when you're doing that? Uh, we, we work with the Australian Navy. Okay. And how, how far would you fly off on a patrol? We fly about five and a half hours um, 
in a given area around a certain island nation. So we would fly okay. different island nations, and while we're in that territory, we'd be underneath their authority. Okay. Are you talking to some air control then, or are you kind of unfettered? Um, no, we would be talking, communicating to uh, a command center. Okay, all the time. So you're, yeah. And, and what happens, like, how would you determine illegal activity from non illegal activity? Well, that's the hard part, right? So, what we would do is just observe and report. Got it. And send it over to the, the yeah. Navy, I guess. Right, because we're civilians, so we can't make a right, decision right. or a, we can't form an opinion. Do you ever use, yeah, I was reading something in The Economist that um, a lot of illegal fishing now, they turn off the AIS. They do, or they broadcast on multiple AISs. And do you take, like, like photographic evidence and to turn it over to the, the Navy? Yes. Have you ever had any, had anyone ever shot at you or anything when you do that? No. Oh, okay. No, they're not that bold yet. Hope they, hope they stay not that bold, my Lord. But uh, you said, like, the COVID kind of put a wrench in your, your flying down there. Yes, so... Because of COVID, um, as I was coming off rotation, I got stuck back home. Um, my rotation would be, say, 30 days, maybe 60 days. And then that became seven months. And then at the end of the seven months, I had a choice of go and sit in Tahiti for months on end until customers showed up to give us tasking. And not getting paid. Not getting paid or come back here and, and try and make a job for myself. So I basically communicated to the airport authority, gave them my idea, and uh, took, over, took over the FBO in the condition it was in and the fuel farm in the condition it was in, uh, which the fuel farm was not usable and the building was not serviceable at that time. So Dan, you achieved what all pilots dream of you talked your way into an aviation job running running an airfield i've done that probably 10 times since i've been out of the navy not running an airfield uh-huh. but gone around hr and found the right person to talk to for the job i wanted to, to do um so it really, and I've been talking to the airport authority for actually two years. I actually went to El Paso and worked on the dash, the Army's Dash 7s mm-hmm. um, and, and still maintained a line of communication with the airport authority. And the COVID just presented the opportunity. Um, I won't tell you it wasn't terrifying mm. to take over a, a place that wasn't open. Uh, a building that was all but condemned. Um, when I walked in, there was plastic funneling water into 55-gallon trash cans. In, in a rainstorm, you could take showers in several places. There were squirrels and starlings running amok. Um, I counted at one point 100 starlings in the hangar. Um, there was trash from previous tenants. About, it took me about 25 trash load, or trash runs. At my dime, um, I put about ten thousand dollars into the airport, into the building, and about three thousand, four thousand into the fuel farm, and and every drop of gas that's gone in that tank has come out of my pocket. 
Well, that's the most terrifying thing, it seems to me, Dan, that um, there must be a lot of, whenever you talk fuel, I'm talking a lot of responsibility and a lot of liability. Yes. Um, and it, you, you took over a fuel of a, that was de, deregulated. It was de, well, it, it wasn't it, authorized? It was, it was, it was, uh, it was shut down correctly. Okay. Um, and uh, it was cleaned when it was shut down. So I just put a new motor in it, put a new fuel uh, management system in it, and uh, got fuel and just cleaned it. Okay, okay. Um, which cost me about $4,000, uh, 6000 if you count the first load of fuel, which was about 1,000 gallons. Now I'm doing, on average, 2000 to 2500 every month from April through November. So I've sold 33,000 gallons of fuel last year. Sounds like you've really increased the, uh, the number of flights here. This used to be kind of a sleepy place. I've increased traffic here somewhere between 45 and 6,500 percent. 6,500 percent? In a year. By, yeah. a, by a factor of 65. That is stupendous. I've been reading, I'm on Smokehouse Pilots, yep. and I read that uh, they have a lot of fly-ins in yep. here and everything. I'm sure you're part of that. I did, um, I got the Flying Dentist uh, Association for their annual convention last year that was uh, 24 airplanes, uh, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you say 24 airplanes, that's about 60 people or more. No, it sounds like quite a bit. Uh, had a TBM. So in that group, there was a TBM, an Aerostar, um, uh, Aerostar, TBM, MU2, um, every flavor of Cessna 210, every flavor of um, Mooney, I had them down the fence line. So it was pretty cool. Um, and they flew into a convention here? Yes. So they based out of here, and they stayed at the uh, Ski Liberty um, Resort. Okay. Um, this was last end of June, last June 2021. So, and then the first EAA breakfast back from COVID actually hit a record. We had 903 people served over 90 aircraft on the field. Um, that was in June. And then September, we didn't hit quite those numbers, but we still uh, broke a record for um, September. So we had just just under 90 aircraft and not quite 900 people served. So um, we've done quite well. Those are huge numbers. Yeah, well, huge numbers for, for um, for anywhere, I, I I fly in a W ninety nine to Petersburg, okay. and I, I had never seen nine hundred people show up at a EAA flying. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was crazy. I was over that was over um, two days. Okay, so um, I'm still I'm always looking for ideas to get people in, have people come in. I rent the back room out. Um, I have EAA. They never went away completely, but they did reduce the amount that they were here and then civil air patrol had left completely um parents would not let children come in this building because of the condition I believe it and um i've i've redone i've replastered the walls uh put pictures up um all the pictures i've taken of places i've been and i probably have a couple thousand more um i just hung up the pictures in the back room and um yeah it's, it's coming around so do you get a lot of people come here to go to the military park? Yes, quite a few. Uh, in fact, most of my traffic is um, transient traffic. 
mm-hmm. I would say more than my local traffic. Um, you know, let's let's hope that that heat balances out this year. Um, and then we're we're getting a um, World War II museum uh, June sixth. In the in Gettysburg. In Gettysburg, oh, yep, right off of Emmitsburg Road, about two and a half three miles from here. It's brand new, state of the art, uh, beautiful building. They have uh, and all their equipment works. And they come here and they get avgas from me because most of the engines are either sure. um, radial engines for the tanks, or they they like the hundred low lead better. Sure, um, sure. So, and they help me out. If I get a surplus of sump fuel, they'll buy it off me. I'll give them a discount on it. Oh, because they can run it through their their machines for exactly. sure. Yeah, yeah, they don't care about it. I yeah. can fly. I can use my sump fuel in my airplane, but that's it. I can't resell sump fuel to an airplane. Of course. You know, yeah, it's liability. Liability. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, so if I want to do it, that's me, and I sump it and, you know, do the white bucket test and all that. Oh, what kind of plane do you have? Um, I had a Cessna 150. Hmm. I sold it so that I could start putting Jet A in. And then somebody gave me a, a Cherokee 140. Um, it has 22,000 hours on it. Wow. Almost no paint. <laughs> but it's mechanically sound. And it's sure. Good. And uh, I, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have two tenants that let me fly their planes. Um, I do not take advantage of that. I only like to fly it when they're around. Um, but, yeah. Well, you're an AP and an IA as well. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, you know, if, if, if the plane should be in the air then, there's no question. Yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. that's part of why they like me to fly their aircraft. is, uh, And it's a little payback because I'll, some, they have a, a need. I'll help them out without charging them. Um, just like anybody somebody comes in needs air in their tire or if they before i had a courtesy car i used to run people in town um i've given a lady that came in from manassas my truck because during covid she wanted to see her mother Mm. and uh so she would land in the air commander and i just throw her the keys just take the truck she's like really i'm like yeah i mean where are you gonna go i'm I'm working (laughs) I don't need the truck this minute, so take it. Just don't wreck it. You you wreck it, I have your plane. Yeah, really. So so you know, it's um my idea for this airport is is to manage it and to operate it like it's nineteen thirty or nineteen forty. You know. It it would be wonderful if I could be a signature or or a millionaire, but that's not going to fly. It's not going to work. Not for here. No. 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 So, and I don't cater to um, corporate because I don't have any corporate. So I have to cater to what I have, and that's the GA community. Um, I get some army in every now and then. What, the, the helos? Yeah. Um, oh, do you have jet, jet A here? Not yet. I have okay. the cabinet, and I have a tank, but I have to change some plumbing so I can make that work. I imagine once you get Jet A, you'll you'll get some get helos them. and yeah. some TBMs, and because I I'll I'll beat anybody on price regardless of Avgas or Jet A, because um, I don't have any overhead. I am my overhead, um, so you know, and I just want to bring this airport back to where it should be, you know, before it was ever let go, so to speak. 
it, it sure seems, I, I was telling you before when I landed, um, you know, it used to be a very much a sleepy hollow. The, 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 uh, it must have been maybe 45 or 50 feet wide. It was pretty oh, yeah. narrow and, you know, kind of loopy. And, yeah, it's, 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 it's a lot nicer feel now for sure. Oh, it looks beautiful when the grass is green and, um, you know, there's leaves on the trees. It absolutely is, you know, a beautiful field. And I keep the grass mode tight so it drains better and uh, so that people can. And, and the ideal thing is not to taxi through the grass, but to push the plane back into the mm -hmm. grass, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, um, I'm, I'm a little nervous about this next year. Oh, how come? With fuel pricing. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, you know I, I hope that crude oil keeps coming down so that fuel will stabilize and and I can know where I'm going to be at for the rest of the year um, but I have to buy fuel every month I only have 3,000 gallons of storage so so if anybody's worried about how old my gas is I can tell you my gas will never be older than a month I was gonna say that that helps you in some ways one it's not still gas and two on a downward market, you know, you're not locked into a very expensive 6,000 gallons you bought. Yes, yes. So if I, if I had to buy gas at, uh, I think the last update was 578 is what mm -hmm. they quoted if I bought it without a split. Yeah, that would be terrible because then I would have to raise the price to at least 650. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, and right now I'm not making a dollar. I'm making about 70 to 80 cents show there's not many FBOs that are willing to go below a dollar uh, but because as long as I can afford to buy the fuel mm -hmm. that's all I need to raise it to uh, I, I want a little bit of a profit margin but that's really a buffer to protect me in case the prices go up and then I yeah. still have that and not selling at a loss at that point exactly yeah. Yeah. Um, do I want a profit? sure I do but in this economy with the way everything is I just want to keep business. I want yeah, keep, keep keep the traffic in. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I got two bicycles. That's why I started with. I didn't have a courtesy car, so I had two bicycles. Okay. Um, so well, we're only about two miles from Gettysburg. Downtown, two miles. Yeah. And you're not even a quarter of a mile from the battlefield. In fact, we're surrounded. Mm -hmm. And then the uh, first shot was fired a uh, tenth of a mile mm -hmm. um, to the west, um, right off of Route 30. I have brought so many family members, and I've been to this field. I, I could be a tour guide at, at Gettysburg. Yeah, I'm very familiar. This is where they, they were up on those mountains, and they came in for shoes or something, yeah. and then they were told not to engage, and they did, and everything well, the, went downhill. The first day, the first, first, first engagement the first day happened a uh, quarter of a mile from here in the uh, train tracks. Yeah. Um, and then Seminary Ridge is right up here. This is Hers Ridge, and then Eisenhower's Farms, about two and a half miles to the uh, southeast. Um, the the big attractions, Devil's Den, Little Round Top, all that's only about two and a half miles to the uh, east. So we are surrounded by history, and if you're flying in with an airplane, then you can eat very easily. Come in from Manassas and follow that up, and, and see all the battlefield engagements as you're flying in. And then you can fly in and then walk the battlefield or drive it, get a rental car, Hertz and Enterprise, service the airport. I was going to ask you about that. Was that a Robinson R-22 I yeah. saw fueling up there with yeah. the, the Avgas? He does um, power line patrols. Oh, I, I assumed he was a tourist guy. No, yeah? okay. there are two helicopters that do that. Um, there are ones from York 
and one from York Haven, and there might be a third one. Um, there's two R44s and one Eurocopter. That will do it. Um, okay. Eurocopter, okay. obviously, a little bit more expensive. Um, and and we have the, uh, is it 2000 AGL, I think, those little blue dots over the military park to, to adhere to? That's what they'd like you to be at. You can probably get down to 1800 but 2000 yeah. is preferred over town in the park. Yeah, yeah, I've um, seen those, yeah. The, the, the park service owns up to 600 feet AGL. Okay. Um, and they do that because of the drones. Yeah, good for them. Because drones are good for 400 feet. So if they own 600 feet, you can't, you know, you yeah, can't overfly. Difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's why they do that. And then, um, oh, Camp David. We're, we are very close to Camp David. I was going to ask you about that. Have you ever seen any interceptions here from... Uh... One of my customers got intercepted. Uh, he was on the edge of it. They didn't escort him down. Um, but he got, I got the phone call, yeah. and I had to get him to call the people. Um, when P-40 is expanded, we still are clear by 4.29 miles to the south. That's not very clear. <laughs> well, you can still do a normal approach. Sure, you can sure. Still, For, uh, from the east, yeah. Well, yeah. even, yeah, but you can still fly a normal pattern. Sure, sure. Um, so it's not a big deal. And when it's not expanded, it's about 14-plus miles away. Yeah. So um, if anybody is concerned with P-40, it's not a, it's not. It didn't shut you down. It does not shut me down. And there's only been a rare occasion that if there's a moving TFR for the first hour, mm. um, that might shut me down for an hour. Okay. But then it will go away. Okay. So I would say look at your notums and check your TFR mm -hmm. listings and you'll be fine. Um, we are within the 60 mile. SFRA? SFRA mm -hmm. by the DME line, right? But the, um, that is only the DME. You do not have to report to Potomac Approach. You do not have to file a flight plan. You do not need a squawk code to come in here. It's purely uh, VFR. So, um, and the other thing is, watch out for four flight. It will flash red on you, even if the TFR is not active. Oh, that'll conf that's confusing. It is confusing. And it's only on the, either the tablet or the phone, but not both. So uh, I would say if you are concerned, call, yeah. check, and then fly in. And if you're really concerned, come in from the east or from the north, mm -hmm. and then just fly a standard pattern. Yeah, pretend it's hot. Pretend yeah. it's hot and you'll be fine. Yeah, that's, that's good advice. Yeah, well, it's good to know, too. You can get in no matter what. I, I know I was at an AOP flying... And Frederick, when P-40 was hot, and the AOPA guys are going, oh, my God, we're going to have so many people busted. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's the, the big concern is when you're coming in from the west, uh, just follow Route 30. That's the easiest way. Um, you can get closer if you want. If, why? If you can yeah. watch it. Yeah, yeah. Why? why? Because yeah. you don't know how... You don't know what the controllers are saying and how they see you in relationship to the to the area. Yeah, give a little buffer. Um, you know, if you have anybody that wants to fly in Gettysburg, come call me. I can, I can take care of the car for them, or the, or I can pass them off to Enterprise. Uh, I can recommend hotels, uh, restaurants. If they go to my website, I have 
literally 10 or 15 restaurants listed by distance from the airport along with hotels distance from the airport. Oh, so you don't have to, to do a lot of investigation. You, you'll just... Oh, and, and tell us your website. That, that'd be useful. It's um, Blau Aircraft Services. That's www.blouch aircraftservices.com. And then within there, there's events, um, location, transportation, lodging, um, everything you need to know about coming into Gettysburg is there. Um, current fuel pricing. And if there's something that's not listed that you would want to see, email me. Um, and that's contacts on the page. Email me, and I'll try and accommodate you. It sounds like you take a lot of the aggro. Like, you go to a new field, and you just, you know, call yourself or look at your website, and yeah. a lot of it's already sussed. You know, the hotel, the the, the car. Yeah. Do you charge when guys uh, tie here overnight, or what's your um, policy? So, if you're GA and you're coming in for yourself, I don't charge you. If you're a commercial and you need power or you might need power or something like that, I charge $10 a day Okay. if you're commercial. Okay. Um, and if you want to go in the hangar, uh, 25 a day. Okay. So okay. probably the most reasonable anywhere. Yeah, I'd say so. It's incredible. I mean, this, this is like a um, really undiscovered. Well, how, how long have you been here, Dan? A uh, year and a half. So so yeah so relatively recently yeah. but it's in that time it's it's built up sixty five hundred percent yeah that that's it was kind of not saying bad but kind of neglected it was it was and uh, you know there's different reasons why that may have happened in the past um, the the manning level for the airport authority may have been low um, the fact they didn't have fuel they didn't have a lot of attraction so. They didn't have an IA on the field, that, that didn't help. Um, but uh, it's really increased, even the winter, last winter compared to this winter, compared to last winter, it's been different. I sold more fuel, I've had more activity. Um, usually if it snows, I'm only closed a day. Um, do, you, do you plow the field or what do you I do? I don't plow, Harrisburg comes down and plows it uh, for me. I take care of the fuel area the parking lot stuff like that and then another gentleman does the taxiways okay um, but um, the days of this place being shut down for three four days at a time are gone they're gone um, they, it, see, they see the importance and you also do the the grass cutting too you were saying I, I do a third of the grass yeah wow the, the part that matters yeah <laughs> um, you know I, I really take pride on how it looks um, I don't want people coming in I'm worried about is there a pothole there? I've actually fixed a lot of the uh, holes in the uh, main field um, last year, and this year I have some more work to do. Well, when I was landing, because I, I, I remember coming here like about 25 years ago, and I remember it was kind of iffy, you know, yeah. it was like real narrow and real short and wasn't, you know, the best. So, it was I mean, it's cracked very, down the runway. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. 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 No, it's it's uh, quite improved. And this place is, is pretty homey here. You're, you're FBO here with the. Oh, yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I, I try and recycle everything that I have. And that, that's been the, uh, the challenge, you know. You, you see what you have, reuse what you have. If you, if you need to replace it, replace it. But um, I put a new door on. Next, I want to get new windows for the office. Um, somebody gave me that prop, that split prop. I mean, that's, I could probably sell that 
and make some money. But you know what? Somebody went, came, you know, gave that to me out of the goodness of their heart. So why, you know, um, and it's awesome. No, it's got to be in an FBO. It's it's got, does. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah. I have patches, <laughs> military patches of places I've been, and other people have started to add to it. Um, all the pictures are related to aviation because without aviation, it would not have ever made it to Afghanistan or Colombia or the South Pacific, you know, or surveyed over the United States, you know. So um, aviation has paid my way through life since 1991. So, um, yeah, now you're kind of giving back with this uh, with this little airfield right here. This is. It's incredible. Well, the difference between my uh, my expenses last year and the difference of my gross is four thousand um, dollars. It's a little bit of a challenge if you've never been here because people aren't used to the power lines, but it's really not a big deal. I didn't notice them when I came in. Are, oh, are they good. off of two four? Yes, coming in two four. Yeah, oh. right where thirty is. Okay. So, okay. Um, you see a lot of students coming really high. Oh, because okay. they get nervous. And it's, you know, if you fly at three degree, you're fine. Uh, and every now and then we get some weird winds up top about a thousand feet. But, okay, that's good um, to know. Well, you're you're a little bit close to the mountains, so you get some mountain wave. I we imagine. get a little bit of wave depending on the day, um, mm -hmm. and most of the time that's usually when it's more clear than not. Um, later in the day, in the mornings usually is the best. Uh, the, uh, later in the afternoons, pretty mm -hmm. good too. So well, I know in the summertime, we always get the, the regular thermals. Sure, yeah, it's sure. convection that comes up off sure. the fields and stuff. Sure. And then we have these uh, two groves of trees. But, um, yeah, pilot control lighting, normal. Uh, no weather. Um, I would use windy. Windy's really yeah. good. Yeah, um, The one thing I noticed, yeah, I noticed there was no weather here. I couldn't, my eyes probably are, I, I think they're in spec, but my one recommendation, Dan, so, um, all the windsock, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, paint that thing, man. It being yellow on on yellow, you cannot see that thing. Oh, the, the windsock, yes. The tetrahedon actually is more accurate than the windsock. So, the tetrahedon is invisible when the grass is yellow, it being painted oh, yellow. Good point, yeah. So, <laughs> so, maybe we should paint that orange. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 because I didn't see that until I landed. I'm like, man, I wish I had noticed that. <laughs> it is. And that's the airport authority doing what they need to do, not what they should do. Right, yeah. Like they put weather in at Chambersburg, which is not really active. And there's a taxiway at Chambersburg, and there's Pappy at Chambersburg. But there's no fuel, there's no services. So. Well, I've noticed uh, Camp David has weather. Is, is that, is that, that, uh, that true? mountain, though. Okay, okay. You, so. you can read it. Yeah. It's, it's public information. Yeah. But I don't know how accurate that would be because it's up on the mountain. Yeah. So it would probably be a different wind in a different direction. Yeah. Vice yeah. down here. So Carroll County is pretty accurate. York is not similar to here as much as you would think. And then Franklin County is a lot different because of the mountain, the valley. Yeah, it's on the other side. Um, yeah. But windy is pretty good for getting wind direction and barometer reading. Okay. Um, and we are between, the building says 590. I would say it's more like 540 for okay. elevation. Okay. Um, just like anywhere else, watch out for deer at dusk in the morning and watch out for geese in the morning and, and in the evening too. Um, except for my two resident geese. They, they know better. I bet they do. Yeah, you're telling me they're going to uh, be evicted here. You're going to fill in that, that pond, yeah. Yeah, 
And then um, we do have Louie, who is the uh, the airport cat. Resident cat. Yeah, Louie kind of owns the place, doesn't he? Yes, he's very regal about it. Well, Dan, thank you very much. I want you, your, 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 uh, your uh, website is B-L-O-U-C-H aircraftservices.com. Yep, and uh, I do uh, a breakfast sandwich once a month, um, usually the middle of the month. It's just a simple sandwich. Uh, come in and if you get fuel or do a donation, that's great. You don't have to. And you post that on your website when I, you're doing it. I do it on, I post it on um, LinkedIn, uh, my website, and uh, Facebook. Oh, cool, cool. No, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll look out for that for next time. That'd be, it's always nice just to uh, shoot the breeze with pilots, too, you know, so. Well, I'm yeah. a young pilot. I, uh, I only have just over 250 hours as a pilot. I have six to 7,000 hours as an operator in the back of airplanes. Um, and I've been a mechanic since 91. Um, so I would say there's not much you would surprise me in an airplane but um i'm still pretty young as far as uh pilot in command yeah i think all the fun stuff to, to look especially with that 140 man you could take that anywhere in the country oh yeah well yeah. i i took a cessna 150a from pennsylvania to el paso in the spring at 100 hours that is a long trip in a 150 <laughs> um, i got stuck in kentucky for three days because of a huge storm and then um I was seeing ground speeds at 25. It's um, crazy, man. I, I, wouldn't, I don't think I'd fly with that kind of headwind. What's <laughs> the point? There was very, yes, there's days I was questioning <laughs> my sanity. And then um, if you've never been to El Paso, El Paso normally gets 30-knot winds in the afternoon. I have flown through there, right, right past El Capitan, yes. the, the, uh, um, uh, the mountains there. Oh, you want to talk about El Capitan. On the bottom side of that mountain is uh, Carlsbad. Yep. Okay, well, I've landed at Carlsbad. You break out at six thousand feet; it's like a war zone. The the wind comes down that mountain and it hits the airport right in the middle, and does this thing. And it took me four chant four tries, and finally I left and, and collected myself, and then watched somebody land. And I'm like, all right, I can do this. And, you know, that's the end of the day. I'm tired. Yeah. I land. Yeah. I got fuel. I followed Highway 62 the whole way into El Paso, and uh, mid-afternoon, and the pilots were like uh, directing me to fly directly into Mexico. I'm like, hey, uh, <laughs> I really don't want to do this. And, they, and so they, they set me up for uh, runway uh, 26 left, which is the 10,000-foot runway. Then they asked me what type of aircraft. Then they put me on the short runway. And I swear they were taking bets to see if I'd bite it. <laughs> and uh, so I, I come in, and it's 30 knots down the runway. And, and I'm like, well, it's either going to be the worst landing of the trip or the best. And I, no flaps, slipped it, whole way down. I stopped, and I was able to make the first taxi. Because when you have that much yeah. headwind. Yeah, you're taxiing when you it, chop the throttle. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, I, what a relief that was, and uh, that taught me a lot to how to fly in high density altitude and you know, high winds, and and to know that on the east coast they put all the runways with a direct crosswind, and out west they put them with the wind right down the runway. At least that's that's what it seems. Like. Okay, okay, okay. For some reason, it just seems like okay. every airport I land on on the east coast, 
has a direct You got crossing. a crosswind, yeah. And then out west, they all went, well, why don't we do something different? And uh, except for Biggs Army Airfield, that's that has a direct crosswind. Even though it's a mile away from uh, El Paso, um, I used to watch the Dash 7s coming sideways. It was like, oh, this is fun. Man, that didn't look fun. No, I mean, I've, I've been to uh, Carlsbad, and sorry to call it, that's a hell of a lot of runway there. It's like three of them in a triangle. Yeah, and, it's uh, confusing. Yeah, and then, yeah, uh, you can, but, but there's no tower. You can land wherever you want there. And all the taxiways. <laughs> uh, in fact, I was going to land, they just redid all the taxiways. So I was actually going to line up and land on a taxiway. Then as I got down, I realized it's a taxiway. I can't do yeah. that. So I, yeah. I, you know, but when you're tired and you yeah. know, you're being beat in a 150, so you do what you need to, but uh, but but yeah. Um, That's a hell of a trip, man. From uh, uh, where did you start out from? Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Here. Here, here to I, El Paso. I flew, I flew back from El Paso. Uh, landed in BWI. Had my wife drop me off at Westminster. Picked up my airplane. Met her back here. Tied down for the night. Went home. Came back in the morning. Got in at six a.m. and took off and headed west. How many days take y'all to go? Six days. Three days of flying, uh, huh? three days of weather. No, it's, yeah, three days of flying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think all the adventures you had in, have in front of you then. Yeah. I, um, yeah, it, I want to I fly out to the West Coast and back um, for fun. I, I've done that route twice, one time over I-40 and then coming back over El Paso. And I-40 ain't too bad. You have about 10,000 feet or so to be feel safe. And yeah. it's, it's, it's real pretty. you got the big uh, crater there, the Arizona crater. You I've fly been by. there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah as long as I do it in the morning, it's fine. In the afternoon, I wouldn't do it because of the thermals. Yeah. But, yeah, no, thank you so much. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Oh, this is fascinating. I'm definitely coming back here. Uh, uh, this, this is like a short hop for me. I'm in Martinsburg. Yeah. Uh, this is very cool. I mean, yeah. yeah, we go over there all the time for the restaurant. Yeah, it's a great restaurant. I yeah. mean, I would love it if somebody put a restaurant in here. Well, I was going to ask you, actually, if you had any plans on but uh, a lot of times restaurants come and go. They, they don't really make any money at airfields. It's very difficult. I think it would if, if we kept it simple, you know, not try and make it what it's not, you know. Um, you know, just good food, simple food, and, um, you know, basic. Either have breakfast or have breakfast and a lunch. You know, no dinner service because really after the sun goes down, you really don't have any activity. You know, what, what's a truck? You know, look at what a truck can provide. I ain't even been trying to find trucks to come in. Well, um, yeah, so B L O U C H aircraft services. I'll make sure people get that. And yeah. uh, thank you very much, Dan. Yep, no problem. Oh. Well, this has been another episode of Airfields of Dreams. Uh, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Next week, we're going to go to Chambersburg, uh, Pennsylvania, not, not so far from Gettysburg. It's uh, Franklin County Airport, and it's um, kind of the antithesis of a lot of the uh, airfields we've been to. There's no gas on there. There's no real FBO. There's a good amount of history, though. It's, it's worth going to. Um, so stay tuned for uh, Chambersburg, Pennsylvania next week, and thank you for listening. This has been... Airfields of Dreams.